Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. Today I want to share a little bit about my background, and then I'm going to work that into the message that I believe the Lord has put on my heart. I couldn't find an a later picture, but this is most of my family. Um, that little guy in the very front with the hair going up, that's, that's my brother Tim, and he's 6'4 and 260 pounds now. But, uh, and then I have another brother, Paul, that's not in that picture. This is the best I could do. I'm the, I'm the guy in the buzzed left. That's me. And I just wanted to give you an idea of what my family looked like as I share this. My dad grew up in a family that didn't have much. In fact, he didn't even have a dad. At the age of eight, his dad took off on his mom, my dad, and his little sister. I only know her as Aunt Dee, but anyway. So they were without a father. This was around the Depression. A lot of you probably can relate to this. Some of your parents went through that. And... What ended up happening was my grandmother had to work three jobs just to make ends meet because none of them paid much. We're kind of seeing that again today, aren't we? People are having to work two, three jobs because nobody will hire anybody full-time. Can't afford them. So my grandma worked her tail off to make ends meet for my dad and his sister. Now, that meant that there wasn't a whole lot of money to go around. So sometimes my dad would try to make a little extra income, and there weren't a lot of ways to do that. Plus, he had to babysit his little sister. Well, my grandmother, his mom, had to work, which was most of the time. So what my dad would do is he'd take his little BB gun out, and he'd shoot sparrows. Now, I'm not recommending anybody shoot sparrows, but during the Great Depression, restaurants actually paid a penny apiece. For sparrows and I can't imagine eating one of those things because they don't look like there's a whole lot there but apparently somebody did they're a delicacy or something so my dad would get a little bit of income through the harvesting of sparrows why am I telling you that because the way that he was raised is how he raised us when I came along a little bit later on, if there was something that I wanted, he would look at me and he'd say, well, you need to earn it. What do you mean? Can't you just give me the money? No, it won't mean anything to you. If you work for it, you'll appreciate it more and you'll take care of it. And I said, oh, great. Because all my friends, you know, their parents say, I want a horse, Dad. Okay, here's a horse. Not me. My dad had to be rigid. Can you see that face? That might look like a smiling, nice face there, but he was rigid. And he made sure we worked, whether it was around the house, because sometimes there were chores that we had to do. If we didn't do our chores, we would usually pay for it. In those days, losing a little skin off of... 
In these days, I, I don't know. I, God bless you parents. I don't know how you do it. You must have to read a lot of books to work with those kids because, quite honestly, sometimes I needed that, that little extra oomph. <laughs> but it taught me something. If I wanted something, if it was worth having, I would be willing to work for it. At the age of 13, I found myself getting a job with the Lansing State Journal newspaper company. I started out with a small route, about 30 customers, in a nice suburban neighborhood, similar to maybe, uh, is it Crestwood down here off Chris? About that size, you know, not real big, but spread out a little bit. Take me a little while to get it done. And I did such a good job that my manager, general manager, watched what I was doing and I didn't have any complaints. So he gave me another route right next to this one. And it increased my circulation from 30 to 100. Well, let me tell you something. As a kid with 100 customers, I made pretty good money. And there wasn't much that I couldn't purchase for myself. In fact, I wanted a new 10-speed bicycle. Had to be a Schwinn. I don't remember how much it was now, but it was expensive. And all I had to do was save my money. I didn't get a loan. I didn't go to mom and dad and say, can I have money for my 10-speed bicycle? Because I know what they would have said. Yeah, sure you can. You earn it, though. And I did. And within a couple of months, I made enough to buy that 10-speed bicycle. And I want to tell you something. I loved that bike. I got that thing up to 40 miles an hour, and I kept it there for about two or three miles. I was passing cars, and they were freaking out. I was in shape back then. I couldn't do that today. <laughs> but that was my bike because I made the money, and I bought it with my own money. It taught me something. It taught me self-esteem. It taught me the value of a dollar. And it also taught me about family. Because in a family, everybody has to do their part. Everybody. You know, whether it's cleaning the garage out or making your own bed. How many of you kids do that? Are there any kids in here? How many... Adults do that. Some, some of the ladies are going, man, I wish my husband would do that. You can ask Pastor Barb, I make our bed, all right? Who said that? Wow. Ushers. <laughs> Security. <laughs> I want to tell you, though, and this is just an aside, but, you know, there were mornings when I just flat hated that job. I didn't want to do it because I had to get up at 530 in the morning. And for those of you who know me, I'm not a morning person. I'm going to blame it on the paper route because every weekend I had to get up at 530 and I had to have the papers out by 7. That was pretty early for a young kid, 13, 14, 15 years old, while all my friends were sleeping in. Or on the weekday nights, I'd get out of school, and I had to deliver my papers. 
And I had to have them out by 5 o'clock, which meant all my buddies were going out playing baseball. Not Norm, because Norm had to deliver the papers. It wasn't fun. Seven days a week, rain or shine, heat or cold. If I wanted to keep my job, I had to do it, and I had to do it well. I learned a lot from that job. I learned that some of these people, I'd come and I'd, I'd knock on the door and they'd turn the lights off and pretend like they weren't home when I, when I came to collect. I mean, it's like $1.30 a week, and I'm like, really? I mean, I'd be yelling this through their door. Really? You know I'm here, and I know you're there. Come and pay me. <laughs> what were people thinking? It's like, I was a kid. I had to pay for those papers. I think I earned it. Anyway, but that taught me a lot about people. It taught me that if I did a good job, people would begin to trust me, and they gave me side jobs like mowing their lawns in the summer so I could make even more money. I mean, I was a pretty hardworking kid. I'm actually going somewhere with this, too. And I'm not trying to boast. I hope it doesn't sound like that. What I'm trying to say is, as I see everything today, I think we've kind of lost this. And, and I think our, our kids are growing up in these homes where they're never given any responsibility. And then when they get to the age of adulthood, they don't know what to do because they've never been taught. And it might even be little things like having them do the dishes for 30 cents a week or whatever, you know, just to teach them the value of, of a buck. If they can't go out and get a job like a paper route or work on somebody's farm in the summer or whatever, you know. And later I ended up getting a job in a restaurant, and that's a whole other story. But I just really feel like we as parents and grandparents, we need to teach our kids the importance of working hard. But instead, what I see is people have begun to think they're entitled to all of these things without having to spend a dime to earn it. And I think that we're all suffering as a result, whether in our nation, our community, whatever. Here's the thing. Over the next few Sundays, I want to talk about, does God care if we work hard or not? Does he? And we're going to look at some of those scriptures. How about Jesus? Did he ever teach his disciples about this topic? All right. Maybe. Maybe he did. I think we're going to see he did. And, and last but not least, and here's the best part, if we begin to apply some of the principles that I'm going to share with you, Tony's going to share the third Sunday with you. If you apply these principles, it's going to help you to, I like the word prosper. You're going to be more prosperous. You're going to be healthier. You're going to be more satisfied with whatever it is you're doing right now because you're going to learn the art of working hard and what that means. Now, if I were to just take one word and wrap it into this, it would be stewardship. And that's what I'm calling this series is Stewardship 101. Entitled or earned? That's the subtitle. Stewardship 101. Would you stand with me one last time? 
at least before I actually jump into this. Lord, I thank you for the ability to stand up. That's a start. Because in order to work, we have to be able to move. And I thank you for every person within the hearing of my voice, those who might listen to this online. Lord, you know what your plan is for this message. And I pray that you would begin to speak to the hearts of these men and women, boys and girls. And Lord, that when this, this series is finished, that they will be more confident in who they are in Christ. And Lord, that as they apply these measures, as they apply these principles, your principles, Lord, that they will be happier, more satisfied with what they're doing. It won't matter if they're a janitor cleaning toilets in a school, they're still going to be happy about it. Because their joy isn't going to rest in that job, but it's going to rest in you. And Lord, again, I just pray that you would help us to understand who we are in Christ and what that means to you. May we please you in the end, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, you can sit down. As I said, if there were one word to summarize this, it would be stewardship. Merriam-Webster's simple definition of stewardship is this. The activity or job of protecting and being responsible for something. How many of you have children? All right, are you responsible for those kids? Absolutely. And if you don't do something right, then somebody's going to be knocking on your door, whether it's your pastor or DHS or somebody. All right? It's your job to be responsible. A sub-definition of stewardship is this. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Or it could be some, someone, okay, as we just described. We are all entrusted with the management, hear this part, of ourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm responsible for me. Come on. Look. If you want me to wake up this morning, you got to work with me. One more time, I'm responsible for me. That's a little bit better. You still don't sound convinced. Somebody said, yeah, tell my wife that. <laughs> Carrie, who didn't know what I was preaching on today, actually shared this. She shared from some of the scripture that I was going to teach today, but 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 talks about, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. What? How many would say amen to that? For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. God paid Full price for you. He didn't get a discount. Not a person in this room got a discount when he bought you. He paid full price. His son. That includes any talents that you might have, any of your resources that you might have, things that you've accumulated, property, money, etc. What we do with what God has given us is called stewardship. Hallelujah. With that in mind, I want to begin this series. How many have ever jumped into Matthew 25? How many know what it's talking about already? 
Matthew 25. Preachers. The end. The end. It's talking about the time, the earth, just before Jesus comes back for his bride without spot or wrinkle. Matthew 25. I'm going to begin reading with verse 14. The whole chapter talks about it. But I just wanted to say, you know, Matthew wrote this, obviously. It's in the book of Matthew, chapter, four, chapter 25. And he was a tax collector, for crying out loud. So he knew a little bit about money, right? All right. So it's not a surprise that he wrote about money. He understood the importance of having it and what it would accomplish. However, I don't want you to get hung up on the money side of this because even though it's this translation, the NLT, talks about money, some of the other versions use the word talent. They're all talking about income, currency. But I want you to realize it's not just money. How many heard Mary singing this morning? Does Mary have a gift? All right? Now, if I had a voice and you had to listen to me every week, how many would leave? I'm trying to do the sound of music, I think. I'm not sure what that was, but honestly, I can't sing. I try to protect you when I get over here and hide. So I'm not blaring in, the, in your ears because I can't even hear myself. That's why I can't sing. My, my ears, my hearing is terrible. But Mary can sing. And some of you can sing. And you can use those voices as an anthem of praise. Now, I may not be able to sing, but I can preach. When I started out, I couldn't preach, but I can preach. God raised me up in this ministry, started with the kids. I had to yell at them for nine years before he had me start preaching to adults. I wouldn't give up any of those nine years for anything. Those kids were precious. And today, they're, they're adults. <laughs> they're, they're blessing somebody else's congregation because they learned the basics at a young age. And I had a part in that. God used my gift to help those little ones grow up in Christ. I'm so thankful for that. What can God do with what you have? And it might be money, but I just want you to grab hold of this concept as we move along. It's not just money. You ready? All right, verse 14. And again, the kingdom of heaven, the what? The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Now, how many would say Jesus left somewhere around 33 A.D.-ish? So how long has it been? A couple thousand years almost, right? Has it been a long time? So this scripture is being fulfilled. Is it not? It's been a long time. Kingdom of heaven's going to come, but it's going to be a long time. Are you with me? 
He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Now, before I go any further, I have to make sure you're with me on this part. Would you agree that everything we have is from God? Because if you don't come to grips with this concept right now, if you don't find yourself agreeing with this at some point soon, if not today, then the rest of this is is not going to make any sense to you whatsoever. You have to realize that God has given us everything. In fact, I just wanted to share a couple of scriptures. There we go. Who am I? Who are my people that we could give anything to you? Talking about God. Everything we have has come from you. Talking about God. And we give you only what you first gave us. So, God has given us everything we have. And then 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? But I work hard for my money. Yeah? And what do you do? Well, I work in a restaurant. Yeah? Well, where did all the stuff come from in the restaurant? Well, from farms. And, and who made the cows? Who made the chickens? Who made all the other stuff, the vegetables? And God. Everything we have has been given to us by God. Amen. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Uh oh. Somebody's going to get a spanking. Hope it's not you. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they used his money. Now, who's the master? Jesus is the one telling the story, so would you, wouldn't it just sort of figure it's Jesus, right? He's coming back. And he's going to hold every one of us accountable for what we did with this life. Not before you knew him, not B.C. as we like to call it, before Christ, but A.D., after our death, the sinful death, after we've become born again. From that point forward, we have to give an account of what we did with the talents and resources that God has given us. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver, I think I'm in the right spot, yeah, came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. How many of you have ever given your child something to do and they did it well and they came in? I did it. Right? Do they get excited? We should be able to do that very same thing when Jesus comes back. Ah, I can't wait to, can't wait to see Jesus. I get to, I get to show him what I was able to do with everything he gave me. I had five bags. I made ten. Woohoo! Yes! The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's celebrate. Oh, man, how many of you would get so excited if your boss would do that? You've done a good job. Tim, thank you. Let's go celebrate. Would you be pumped? Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't probably hurt your feelings if he gave you a little cashola along with that celebration, huh? And that's the same here. He, he actually, is, as we'll see, he doubles what this man had. Well done. How many want to hear well done? How many want to hear the other? <laughs> no. Okay. I hope you can read that. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Woohoo! Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Again, I can't sing. I should have, I should have a trio up here yeah that'd be awesome instead of me having to do it they could be doing it for me as we look at this illustration what we see here is that jesus is revealing what it's going to be like when we finally get to heaven that there is a reward that is going to be given to every person who has earned it to those servants who were faithful. In fact, Matthew 24, 46 says, if the master returns and finds that servant has done a good job, there will be a good reward. I'm sorry, I didn't have that up there. And again in Luke 12, 43, if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. So do a good job, get a reward. Can you say that with me? Do a good job, Get a reward. How many want to get a reward? How many want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's celebrate. I'm telling you right now, when God throws a party, you're not going to want to miss it. Hollywood may have the red carpet. They may have the Emmys and the Grammys and all the other stuff. It ain't going to compare to what God's going to do for his own when we celebrate with him. So we are left realizing that how we use what the Lord has given us will eventually result in a reward or a rebuke. Reward or a rebuke. And this, to me, this is very sobering. The first two servants did well, but as we're going to see, the last guy, not so, not so much. All right, so let's move on to verse 24. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Ouch. Ouch. First, what I want you to see here is what this servant is saying isn't true. It's not true. What I mean is, God is actually bound by his own laws. He can't change his nature. 
He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. God cannot change who he is. And he's already told us this, that you reap what you sow. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Luke 6, 38, given you will receive, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. God made these principles. This is who he is. So unless he plants something, there's not going to be growth. So what this servant is saying isn't true. However, nevertheless, the Lord still uses the servant's own reasoning to drive home his point. That the master expects, no, not expects, demands that his people use what they have while they're here on this earth to bring him glory and praise and honor. No excuses. No excuses. No excuses. Hallelujah. John 15, 8 goes along with this. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. That's the whole idea of being one of Jesus' disciples, is that we will bear much fruit. So no matter what you're given, you might have brains, you might have wealth, good looks, talent, Whatever it is, you are expected to use what you've been given to the best of your ability, and eventually that will lead to you receiving a heavenly reward. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah. But if you're lazy, and I hate, I hate even looking at this guy, because I don't want to think of anyone facing the Lord like this. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Can you say that with me? You wicked and lazy servant. How many want to hear that? If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. What's the Lord saying? Why didn't you do something with what I gave you? No excuse. No excuse. Why didn't you use what I gave you? You could have ministered to your neighbor who was elderly. You could have shoveled off her sidewalk for free using the muscles I gave you. You could have prayed with someone who needed a healing or someone who just found out their husband was divorcing them. You could have spent time with them because time is a commodity that we all have and it costs you. I could go on, but I'll stop there. I think you get the idea. Listen to what he says next. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I looked this up. 
because we don't use this very often anymore. I can relate to this because I'm a grinder. You know what I mean? In the middle of the night. <laughs> Pastor Barb in here, can you hear me sometimes? <laughs> you used to be able to. I think I've filed them down enough now. That, <laughs> But it, it's out of, the, the gnashing part is, is out of how they feel. They're in, what's the word? Distress. They don't know what to do. There's nothing they can do. They know that forever and ever and ever they're going to be separated from God. And they earned that place because they were useless and lazy. Well, Pastor, that's pretty hard preaching this morning. Yeah. I'd rather you heard this on this side of heaven than on the other. If this is you, if you're the lazy, useless servant, at least you might identify yourself as such, hear this. It's never too late. As long as you're still breathing on this side of heaven, you still have time to correct things, to turn your life back to where it needs to be, to be a vessel that brings honor and glory and praise to the Lord. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You don't have to give a million dollars. You don't have to preach to 200 people every Sunday. All you need to do is use what God has given you and let him do the multiplication because that's what he does so well. I want to give you four things real quick here. First, and as I'm going through these, just do this right now. Say, Lord, Show me if I'm lacking in any of these areas and help me to use my gifts, my resources for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Every person, say this, every person is giving something of value that is unique to that person. You, my friends, have at least one thing that nobody else has. Why is it so important that we have the body of Christ? Because without you, we're lacking something. I don't care who you are. You might be sitting here going, I ain't got nothing to give. Yes, you do. Right now, it's just a bad attitude, and we don't want that. <laughs> Start practicing what God has given you. Start reading the Scriptures and recognize what kind of giftings He's put in you. Start small. Do you know that this last week somebody came in and mowed the church? Not inside, but out. <laughs> the grass. And somebody strapped on the little weed eater and went around and trimmed all of the property here. My guess is most of you could probably do that. We need you. Because you know who strapped on the weed eater this week? And it's not because that's my favorite job. But I wanted, when you came in here today, I wanted you to look out there and see that the church looked nice. There's so many things that are done behind the scenes. Things that you wouldn't even think of for a church, but somebody has to do it. And we need you. There are other ministries that are going to be birthed in this church that haven't even been birthed yet, but God's been speaking to you like Tim and Krista. And he wants you to take that to the pastors and say, look, 
This is what I've been feeling. Like God's speaking to me about this. We need to start this new ministry and we'll work with you. Use what you have. Whatever gifting that is. Maybe it's seeing a, a young mom in here and, and you love kids and, and you might go to that young mom and say, hey, how'd you like a break this Friday night from 6 to 8? How many of you young moms would be going, yeah, yeah, that's a high five. Yeah, air high five. You could do that. Number two, every person is expected to use what he or she has to the glory of God. This is your purpose in life. Everything we have, once we've been saved, every part of us should be used to bring God glory. If you're sinning, stop it. Well, what's a sin, brother? You know what they are. I don't have to tell you. Come on. You know when you do something that, that is anti-God, that's going to take you away from him rather than to him. If it ain't leading you to him, then it's not something you ought to be doing. Hallelujah. That's good preaching. And this last part, brothers and sisters, please realize it is not your duty to worry about what your neighbor's doing. You're just being a busybody. You let them, hey, they're having to give, stand before Jesus. When they stand before Jesus, he's not going to say, hey, Lewis, why don't you come on over? Tell me what you thought about Norm. Uh-uh. He already knows about Norm. He doesn't need Lewis to help. I'm just picking on you, brother. I, I know that wouldn't be you. That's why I picked on you. Honestly. This trivial stuff of worrying about what our neighbors are doing. You, you know what? Here, here's something. You know what I see? People that like to pick on what others aren't doing or aren't doing right, they got stuff going on in their life they don't want you to know about. That's why they do that. You know, don't, don't look at my flaws. Uh-uh. Don't look at my flaws. See, I want to get your eyes off me and on to this other person. You just tell them, if, that, if you start hearing that kind of stuff, you just say, hey, it's none of our business. That's between them and the Lord. That's a pat answer I use. That's between them and the Lord. They'll give an account for it. I've had people come to me and say, hey, do you know what Pastor so-and-so was doing? I don't care. That's between them and the Lord. They're going to give an account for it. I have to worry about this guy. I got enough on my plate, believe me. Don't need any help. Number three, for those who are faithful, they will receive a rich reward in heaven. Some will even have that reward doubled. This also tells us there is a form of currency in heaven. I've said this before. Some of you, you're going to be running the banks in heaven. Some of you, you're going to be cleaning the commodes. I don't know if heaven's going to have commodes, but you know what? It's going to be a low position for some of you folks because you never took the time to build your currency in heaven. Jesus wouldn't have said this if heaven didn't have some kind of currency. Why would he reward us? Why would he double what we have if there wasn't a value to that? Are you hearing me today? So would you agree with me that this is just flat good logic? Heaven has currency, and as long as you use what God's given you, 
He will multiply that. And you'll have even more. Last but not least, for those who are not faithful, for the lazy who choose to do nothing with their God-given talents and resources, they will be judged as lacking. And as I understand Matthew 25, they're going to be separated from God forever. I would not wish that on anyone. Now hear this part. I know we're saved by grace. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. But once you're in God's family, just like once I was in my dad's family, I had to do whatever it took to earn my living in that household. To do the things that needed to get done. And there's a lot that needs to get done in the church. There's a lot that needs to get done in your families. And some of us are avoiding those things by saying, I can't do it. That's just a cop-out. That's a cop-out. If you don't know what your gifts and talents are, then you need to get on your face before the Lord and say, help me. Help me to see what you see in me. Because I promise you this, he sees something in you. He does. And it's valuable. I started out with this. God didn't pay bargain price for you. He paid full price. And he did that because he loves you and he knows how valuable you are to him. And you know who else knows this? Satan. And he will do everything he can to get you not to see who you're supposed to be in Christ, not to be the steward that God has called you to be over your life, and to use what he's given you to the glory of God. That's his job, and he does it well. I just read this this morning. One of the reasons Satan hates us so much is because people were a little bit lower than the angels, and yet, what was God going to do with the angels? Have them minister to us. And he despised that thought. Why should I have to watch out for those piddly little human beings down there? I'll tell you why. Because God said you had to. <laughs> That's all it should take. That's all it should matter. If God says it, then you better do it. If God says you better be a good steward with what he's given you, then you better be a good steward. Otherwise, you're going to be this last servant the lazy servant, and you're going to pay a price that you don't want to have to pay. I'm almost wrapping it up. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Don't be misled. Galatians 6, 7 through 10. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will, have ever, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. As I was praying on Friday, and sometimes as I'm, I like to write my notes out, and as I was writing them out, I, I really felt like the Holy Spirit came on me 
Would you bow your heads and just listen to this? I believe this is from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would say, you who have ears, listen to what I have to say to you today. And I don't move in the prophetic very often, but I really sensed that this is from the Lord. So you can bear judgment with that either way, and that'll be between you and God. Here's what I heard him say. How can I reward you for doing nothing? How can I commend you when you misuse what you've been given? All that you have is from me, and I would give you even more if you would use what I've given you to my glory and not squander it on your own personal use and edification. Know this, I am coming back, I am returning, and I will bring rich rewards for those who are faithful. But for those who continue to squander their talents and resources, I will be forced to have you removed from my presence forever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. If you're lacking today and, and the Holy Spirit's working on you and you, you recognize today that you, you definitely need some improving. Maybe you've been one of those that have felt entitled but you realize after hearing this message, that's not true. God wants you to be blessed. But in order to be blessed, you need to use what he's already given you. However small or large, use it to his glory. And watch what he can do. If you're here today, heads bowed, eyes closed, and you say, Pastor... I think I've been coming up short on this one, and I, I just want you to pray for me today. I want to turn this thing around. I, I want to be one of those servants that hears, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's celebrate. I want to, I want to be that person, not the other one, not the lazy guy or girl. Uh-uh, I don't want to be that one. If that's you, and, and you know right now, you're kind of riding the fence. You, you could go either way. Just lift your hand up real quick so I can see it. Yep, hands going up all over the room. Thank you. You can put them down. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I, this is probably one of the few times I've been in church. I really don't even know who Jesus is. You know, I'd like to pray that you get to know him today. If that's you, you just need to know who Jesus is. You want to maybe even ask him today to forgive you, to repent of your sins. If that's you, would you lift your hand up? Anybody in here that needs Jesus today? Anybody? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. All right, I want to pray. I want everybody here to pray with me, please. We're a family, and none of us are pointing fingers. I may see who you are, but trust me, when I walk out of here, I forget it. Because this is between you and God. And what you do with it is really going to determine whether or not you were serious with this prayer right here. So I want you to pray this loud enough so your own ears can hear you. And I believe God's going to do something in your life today. Several of you wanted to pray for salvation. I want to pray that first, and then I want to pray for those who've been coming up short on the talent thing. Would you all join me? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, for paying full price for me. I don't even know what to say. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Make me a righteous person. Help me to love people. Maybe even help me to love myself first. 
Help me to treat this temple, this body, as a holy place. Because you live here after I've prayed this prayer. From this day forward, I confess with my mouth, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to get to know you, Lord. Open my mind to understand the scriptures. Open my heart to get to know who you are. To sense your love, your forgiveness, to honor your holy name. I pray in Jesus' name. Now this is for the folks that are coming up short. Heavenly Father, I want to hear, well done. When you come back for your church, I want to be in the front row, ready to hear what you say to me. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in much. Let's celebrate. Lord, I pray right now, if I have fallen short, if I have sinned against you or against others, if I've not used what you've given me to the advancement of your kingdom, to the glory of God, please forgive me and help me from this day forward to understand my gifts and my talents, no matter how small a resource, help me to see what it is so I can begin building on that. Help me, Lord, to be a blessing to your kingdom and to your people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. To God be all the glory today. Ooh. Amen. I'll tell you what, I knew this morning when I got here that there was a heavy, heavy burden hanging on me. God showed up. God showed up. Don't leave here thinking, oh, that's it. No, it's just starting. It's just starting. And if you're one of those that's been coming up short, you just haven't been using what God's given you, start looking for ways to be creative and use what he's given you to bless God's kingdom. I'm telling you, there's no greater feeling than to bless somebody that didn't have it coming. There's no greater feeling. And if you're new to the Lord, we got a booklet we want you to take with you. If you haven't already gotten one of these, the start of something wonderful, the new life, grab one of those on your way out. That's for you. It's our gift to you. And it will help you on your path to being a great man or woman of God for Jesus. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.